0: Five six thousand. That's one eight hundred two four five six thousand. Or visit taxnetworkusa.com/slash Victor. Taxnetworkusa.com/slash Victor.
1: Hi there, everyone. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Welcome. Victor is an author, scholar, columnist, essayist, and political writer and critic. And he does a lot of writing for his own website at VictorHanson.com on military history and History in general, politics, current events, and farming, and often the last of which is some of the most appreciated articles on his website. So we invite everybody to come to join us and subscribe to victorhanson.com. Victor, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing fine. I'm um, headed out for a week's trip this week, and I'm looking forward to that. And we had our first rainstorm. The season, it was very heavy. I was driving back from the coast, and it was very, very heavy. But when we got back to the valley, it was less so. So we hope it snowed. I think it will.
1: Yeah, that's that'll be great for the valley and for all the water that we need. All right, let's go ahead and take a break and come back, and we'll talk a little bit on this weekend edition about misinformation, since we're bombarded with it and our elections are coming up. So... We'll be right back.
0: Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding field of greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in field of greens, Was doctor selected for studied health benefits? There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Victor, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code Victor at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses, and Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses All available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American citizenship and its decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hanson today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash VDH to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash VDH to start hillsdale.edu slash VDH.
1: Welcome back. Victor, you know I I was thinking about voting actually, and I was thinking how also a lot of people are get very disenchanted in a democracy because we're just bombarded with accusations at least and and we're never too sure about misinformation or um what were Trump's words more often, although Hillary apparently used them first, uh, fake news. And so I was hoping that we could go through some historical um, examples of, of, you know, misinformation. I don't really quite know what to call it, I confess, but misinformation and sort of get some handle on especially current incidents uh... as well. Go ahead
2: so disinformation i think is contrary you know from d in latin so yeah not deuce bad that would be greek bad but i think it's d meaning oppositional information information deliberately distorted yeah for a political purpose and misinformation is crackpot conspiracy theories put out there as if it's information and so yeah they use the two interchangeably but i think it there There's a little difference as to what I'm trying to tell you. And remember, fake news started with the left accusing Fox News of fake news and other news outlets. But then the right boomeranged it on them. And now I yeah. think fake news is really it's synonymous with left wing news.
1: Yeah. Okay. Can we look at history first? Yes. I know. So you we give me can, some examples because I don't. I, know yeah. So I was look. I was thinking of all the cases that I knew. Some in America. Some outside. But um, I've I know a lot about the French Revolution. And there's even a category called Grub Street in historiography of the French Revolution. And they study all of the uh, revolutionaries that had printing presses in their basements and such. And they were just printing. Everything, like anything, like there was no, no hope of controlling what was true and not true. And I was thinking also in that period of Thomas Jefferson and Adams' election and all of the mud slinging between the two as well. and and you know, whether it was true or not, nobody really knows. That's I think where the first place where we hear Jefferson had um children with one of his slaves. In fact, I think that was yeah, one of his the accusations a,
2: yeah, they used that of the French Revolution. I think it was a, as I understood, grub, it you know, grubby, it was places. It was a grub street where hack writers in London published like pamphleteering. It was very influential. In the yeah. American Revolution. So all these, it was kind of like a precursor of the internet. So people who had been denied, you know, the Times or mainstream outlets or publishing houses just started writing stuff, and then self-publishing or publishing it in, in I don't know what they call them, less reputable publishing houses, and to get attention and traction, what they called I guess their version of clicks. It was to be as wild and conspiratorial and surreal, sensational, anything possible. And so the, the hoity-toity or the elite called them grub street. And then they yeah. use, they appropriate that a term, I think, to talk in the same terms of the French pamphleteers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have anything about that I mean, it seems to me if we look at Jefferson and Adams that, you know, American politics have always been this way. So for all of our listeners that feel like oh, it's just overwhelming, right, It it's not really different. No, it's not. What's so different about or... it,
2: no, not not the level of vituperation or invective. It's not different. No, no. They, even right. Adams, you know, Alien and Sedition Act. So right. they went out to get each other and to weaponize it. The difference is. That when you wanted to attack, attack somebody, you wrote something out with a, you know, an ink bottle and a squill. And then you wrote it out, and then you went into a publisher or a publishing house, and then he used movable type, and then he cranked it out, and then you had to get a pamphleteer, right? Yeah. And you had to distribute it all over town. And that took a long time. And the point I'm making is that it took some digestion. Today... Uh, it was not more than, I don't know, 25 minutes after the report of the Pelosi thing um, surfaced that the left was saying that this was proof that this guy was a right-wing nut because they somebody had found a blog. And then then the next cycle said, but he lived in a commune the next cycle said but he lived as a nudist <laughs> and then he had BLM flags and pride flags and he was a child molester and a little alien and then it went back and forth but it was a, it was a I guess you'd say Star Trek warp speed and it's yeah. like Jesse Smollett and then the some people said well it's a joke that Buck incident in LA the guy was in his underwear <laughs> before you knew it it was off to the races You know, Pelosi was not a victim. And that was from some of the conspiratorial right, I suppose. And the conspiratorial left was trying to say that, you know, that this guy's sitting in a room with headphones, uh, listening to the Internet or something on his computer. And he says, oh, my God, somebody attacked Nancy Pelosi. I'm going to go over to her house at two in the morning and kidnap her. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this guy, Then I'm a fairy, I'm a, Jesus is the Antichrist, that's how they thought he thought function. so it was absurd, but the, it's, it's speed, it's speed right now, there's no check, there's no second or third thought, it's just instantaneously, so it's, it's kind of like just muttering, like a verbal tick, and it gets out there, and it doesn't reach, you know, 100,000 people in Philadelphia, or 50,000, or 10,000, it reaches a billion people.
1: Yeah, that's the thing.
2: The speed and the reach. Virgil said, "You know, loomer flies."
1: Mm. Yeah, and it's also, I think, social media, and I think that's why all these social media magnets. Are well, you know, they have really intense, um, you know, research <laughs> things going on and, and for that are quite separate from trying to censor somebody necessarily. I mean, in the sense that you know they have advertisers, so they need yeah, to know about the clients, etc. But they are using that now yes, to that censor techniques. So I they, think
2: they started out by saying, if you go on the internet and you're in Houston. And you're looking for a restaurant and you say steakhouse. I'm just taking examples out of thin air. And you say Ruth Christ, right? Well, they know your IP address. So when you get back to Fresno, then all of a sudden you open your computer and they said, Why not go to Ruth Christ in Fresno tonight? So, you know, <laughs> so they That's know true. that, or you buy yeah. something on Amazon, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, all these ads pack up, pop up for the same item all over, not mm-hmm. just on Amazon. Yeah. Well, that uh, surveillance ability is now and the ability to intrude into your life and manipulate it has been applied to politics. So when you Google, if you Google, Google conspiracy theories, it's going to be all right wing for the next 10 you know, pages on your computer. It's not going yeah. to be balanced. It's They've got logarithms, algorithms, excuse me, that that are weighted. And I think that's one of the reasons I hate Elon Musk. I don't know if you can burn evidence but i'm sure that as he takes over those headquarters they're wiping hard drives as fast as they can or or destroying evidence because if he gets in there he will find out the degree to which twitter was in cahoots with other social media and he will um you know expose it
1: yeah it's very scary um but let's move on to another um you know, event, I think that's really broadly known. And that is the Dreyfus affair, where they swore that Dreyfus had betrayed the country of France. And they were really, it seems, or at least how it's presented is they were really out after him. He was Jewish, and they wanted to get, he had a competitor in the military, and they wanted to get rid of him. That's how I understand it. Um, But they, they spread all sorts of, speaking of misinformation about him in the presses you know
2: yeah i mean the Dreyfus affair was it was really important because it showed the rot in the french command which would kind of you know, i don't know what it was 1905 or something that dev- yeah. i guess it was early 1890 or four yeah. or something but it I really it showed you knows. that it was not a Merocratic. because he was a very accomplished uh, artillery officer and it was it was not a uh, a meritocratic system. It was embedded with anti-Semitism, and it was an old guard, and it was very important because people had thought the Napoleonic tradition of merit operated, and they found out no, it didn't. That they slandered and smeared, and, and it, it created a Jacques Zola. So mm. it was the same misinformation. I Problem. shouldn't say exactly. disinformation.
1: Yeah, I, I was wondering how is that different from, for example, Nazi and Soviet propaganda. You know, because it it is a different sort of situation. But well, I well, because I, it, it's really put thought.
2: out into it. it's put out into the arena of free, of exchange of ideas. So if you're a Nazi propagandist like Goebbels, or you're the editor of Pravda, that's the only outlet. So they warp the news by having a complete monopoly on it. It would mm-hmm. be as if there was no parlayer, or there was no true social, or there was no Elon Musk taking over Twitter. It was just the state. So, well, it is that way in a sense that when you have Mark Zuckerberg confessing that he was working with the FBI, then Facebook becomes an extension of the federal government. But that's uh, de facto. It's not de jure. I'm now kind of punning on justice sotomayor who used was bragging about de jure and de facto the other day in the affirmative action got him completely crossed up and said <laughs> de uri was you know the way that things just happen without the law common protocols in practice in de, de and practice and
1: day de facto was, facto the, was law. the
2: law it's the fact of the law i mean she's a supreme court justice but that's the difference that goebbels you couldn't in you couldn't uh if you wanted to you couldn't publish a disinformation or misinformation article in Germany I mean there was Der storm storm <laughs> stuff like that and that was all state propaganda and remember propaganda was not considered a pejorative word it was prop probe Aganda from ago to be done things that were done on behalf of the state so it was considered that must be be done as a gerundive so things that must be done on behalf of the state. That seems like a noble principle. That's how they started. So there's no opposition voices. What's really funny is all these people on the left, through their Ministry of Information and Department of Homeland Security, or the fusion between Silicon Valley and Democratic administrations, or the legions of techies in very left-wing enclaves like Austin, or Silicon Valley or Cambridge, Massachusetts or Seattle, Washington that have the ability to get on the Internet and influence the ebb and flow of information. They're all left wing and their purpose is to silence anybody.
1: Yeah. So that's a little bit scarier than, for example, if it paid
2: better, they'd be fascist. They they would if they're not already.
1: Yeah, and it's a little bit scarier than, for example, in the 1890s and forward. Joseph um, Pulitzer and William R. Hearst—they both sort of compete with each other using sensationalism and hearsay and they would publish basically what were lies as though they were truth or at least hearsay as though it was the truth. And that was always very scandalous, I think. Um in the at the Yeah, turn of the that, century. that but- was always
2: based on um an element of truth, Pulitzer and and it was I guess in the you know it's our yellow journalism they called it. It's our version of Cowboy Journal. It, it's always It was always, it was, and it really grew up about the Spanish-American. Remember the Maine, you know what I mean? It was, the the Maine was, we don't know what happened to the Maine. There's a lot of disagreements about it. The battleship Maine that was in
1: the
2: harbor in Cuba, but the, the idea was blown up and we're not doing anything. It's very ironic that Pulitzer, the Pulitzer Prize was given to an eponymous prize to somebody that created yellow journalism and his rivalry with with hers to see who could outdo each other and getting more scandalous exagger, exaggerated stories but so they maybe have the, elements of truth and that it's, yeah. it's, it's it yellow journalism is a competitive back and forth battle between the tabloids by taking a truth and then expanding it to preposterous proportions
1: yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I was thinking we, we should be kind of happy then that we have at least a healthy environment where disinformation or fake news, regardless of how the politicians are using it, is at least debated. Right, So we know that we're um, yeah. somewhere yeah. above it all. But I was thinking of periods, too, like um, Joe McCarthy's um, naming names and sort of manipulating the news, I think, is what he did. That
2: was a very yeah that was a very you know when I was about five years old my mother had something called there was a little group called not a little but it was called dollars for Democrats (laughs) and you went we lived in a very we had an 800 square foot farmhouse on the edge of town about two miles three miles outside and to a very poor Hispanic West side it was on the wrong side So my mom would get us three, and we'd go on our old jalopy, 51 Ford, and we'd go to visit households. And then my mom would go up to the door and say, can you give $1? And who was it for? It was for mainstream Hubert Humphrey-like Democrats. They weren't nutty. And you get on a list. So then I would go out and get the mail when I was five or six across the road. My mom finally let me cross this rural road on my own, and I would bring in all the mail. i was so happy to do it, like a little dog. (laughs) And there were these letters, do you know? And then you open it, it was published on pink paper. Or do you know you're being used as a pinko? (laughs) (laughs) And it said, dear Mrs. Hanson, do you know you're being used as a pinko by the commies in government? it was kind of funny. But that's, that was the, the edge. And see, it started out, again, with an element of truth, and there was truth in it, because the American people could not make sense that we fought this war and lost 430,000 people to free Eastern Europe, is where it started, and Poland, to free it from Nazi totalitarianism, and we ended up giving it over to the Soviets. So what was the point of the war and why did we have this alliance with this mass murder? That was the argument. And then there was all this tension and then we lost China and we'd given billions of dollars in modern dollars to Chiang Kai-shek. But he was up against a, a certifiable evil genius in Mao. And so we lost, who lost China? And so all of a sudden these two big countries and nuclear weapons pointed at us and there had to be a reason rather than just misjudgment. There was, we knew Alger Hiss was a commie. We knew that there were people like the Rosenbergs who were commies. I don't know how many of them, but that was a truth. And then Joe McCarthy came, who was an alcoholic and kind of a weird guy. I won't get into his weirdness. And he took that truth that there were communists at Yalta, or communist sympathizers, or liberals who in their youth had been in the Communist Party during the Depression, and he created this whole... I have a list here with a you know 190 names of all the commies in the State Department. Will you please show us a list? Well, I you know I can't because you'll. So that was the the mood of the country to try to explain the inexplicable how we lost China and Russia, and uh, it was a you know the, the Hollywood people had all flirted with communism or been not all of them but a lot of them had been, and then you know John Wayne and Ward Bond and all those guys said they were going to root all the commies out of. Them out of Hollywood, there were commies so we have to be careful when you say McCarthy you have to deplore the means by which he conducted this so-called witch hunt but unlike a witch hunt where there were no witches there were communists in the government and they did do a lot of damage because they had a very naive naive, if not uh, I don't know conciliatory view to mass murdering people like Mao Zedong and Joseph Stalin
1: Yeah. You know, we have a healthy distrust, I think, in our culture of the media. And I think a lot of that started with the Vietnam War and the way the Vietnam War was related to the people by the government versus journalism. And I want to take a look at that after a few messages. Um, So we'll be right back.
0: Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com/victor50, that's V I C T O R 50, and use the code victor50, that's code victor50 at factormeals.com/victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia Collusion. Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.
1: We're back. And Victor, so I wanted to turn to the Vietnam War because I think that a, a lot of, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's the time I grew up, but we've, you know, most of us have some distrust of the um, government and the, then too of the presses, if not the presses. And I think that a lot of it had to do with the Vietnam War. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on the development of that misinformation culture out of the Vietnam War.
2: Well, that it started. I mean, let's face it: all of the major newspapers by 1964 three when it was that period between JFK before assassination in 63 and then LBJ in 64, 65. That's when we really got in there. At that time, the New York Times, all of these papers were mostly center left. I say center left; they were old-fashioned liberals, right? They were a lot of them were anti-communists. The old uh, hawks, but they were the Democratic Party, and they had Democratic presidents in Johnson and Kennedy, and so they were for the Vietnam War. This was the best and brightest. It was going to be a surgical strike. Robert McNamara, who had revolutionized the auto industry, supposedly with these merocratic informational people, and Daniel, you know, Daniel Ellsberg was the guy, and the Rand Corporation sort of typified that. And they were going to quantify everything. So they were going to go to Vietnam just as they had gone to Korea. But unlike Korea, where it was three years of messy fighting, Vietnam was going to be run by liberal people. It was going to be run by technocrats. And they were going to have body counts. And they were going to do this. And they were going to have sectors where if you're going to bomb caisson, you would have so many bombs per the grid. So it was a scientific approach. They were going to have sophisticated Agent orange orange uh, new napalm type a better type of napalm. So that was the idea. And then they went in there and it wasn't like Korea. Korea is a pretty easy place to go in because there's not jungles, right? And you can use air power and you don't have... It's got a very small border with the Soviet Union. It's, and most of the, it's a peninsula, but Vietnam is jungle and it's in a bad neighborhood. And China is too close, closer. Not that it wasn't close to Korea, but just the mechanics of getting down that peninsula into South Korea were more difficult for the Chinese than they were in Vietnam by supplying it. And so the point was, it was very hard to win that battle. And it was a different country in the 1960s. It was in the middle of the civil rights movement, the women's movement, the environmental movement, it was all protest. So what happened is when, you know, Truman lied all the time about Korea, all, all of them lied about it. That's what they do. But when they lied about Vietnam, Oh, we've killed, you know, 417,000 Viet Cong and North Vietnamese The war. They we're seeing the end of the tunnel. That was LBJ all the time. It was not true. We bombed so many. They they would talk about as if they were producing cars. We dropped so much tonnage this month. And then people would ask them, well, how many planes were shot down? And what were the effects on production or trade or what percentage? 18.3% of the Ho Chi Minh Trail uh Product products that were coming in, have stopped. Haiphong Harbor is, you know, attenuated by seventy two percent point three. That's how they talked. So everybody wasn't going to listen to that. So they started alternative journalism. So you had, you know, left wing people all cut their teeth. Everybody at CBS uh, News became famous. And when Cronkite said, you know, the Tet Offensive uh was a disaster that was a complete lie the tets the tet offensive in 68 was a dumb crazy idea of the north vietnamese to empower the Viet Cong to take over the south by attacking key points the embassy the airport bases and it utterly failed and they they wiped them out for an entire year and nobody reported that instead it was how do they get to the u.s embassy grounds we've lost the war then you had, and, you know, Peter and Ed, I saw, you know, they had to destroy the village to save it. It was that kind of stuff. And, it, you know, it fed into the popular apocalypse now and stuff. So you never got an accurate information because the government started lying about the war. And then the left-wing press picked up on that line. And then it went to the same extreme and started lying. So by 1971... 72 73 when you had a guy like creighton abrams and you started to bomb not just carpet bombing with b-52s but you started to use smart first first generation smart bomb and you went into hanoi and you started targeting the homes of the people who really started the war Uh, we were winning and you could argue that by 1974 the war was over. We hadn't had ground troops in there for two or three years. Viet Cong was stabilized, if not ossified. Uh, There's functional South Vietnamese government. And then Watergate, Democrats took over. They cut off all aid. da 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 And the conventional force just drove down Highway 1 in Vietnam and took over. But that was the results of a bastardized media. And people had accurately reported and said, this war was lied about by Kennedy. To get us in there, it was lied about by Johnson how well we were doing. We've lost 50,000 people because of a screwed-up Johnson administration and from 64 to all the way to January 69, and a Pentagon inept bunch of four-stars. But we got some guys in there, kind of Grant and Sherman guys by 71, and they really knew how to fight it, and we were winning, and we kind of won the war. And nobody wanted to talk about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it seems like what we're looking at is that the government lied and then or presented a distorted picture. Maybe I'll give up that much. And then the media got into it. And, and I think that what our modern politicals have um, um, learned from Vietnam is that they... They need to control the media as well. That the Viet- in the during the Vietnam War, the government failed to control the media, and so it got out of hand. And so, as time has gone on, the nineteen nineties and two thousand, the ca- political campaigns and the political personnel around a uh, politician try they'll lie for all sorts of reasons. And then they also try to control the media. I think that's what came out of that Vietnam War as far as the legacy. The thing is, remember
2: about the media and politics is this, that whatever power is in, it needs an adversarial media so it can check it and audit it. And the way the media has traditionally functioned in the 20th century is it was left wing. The schools of journalism provided the reporters and they're in a university and they were left wing. So what happened is you had these liberal media uh, giants, especially the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, later the Los Angeles Times, although it for a while had been conservative, San Francisco Chronicle, et cetera, et cetera, and UPS and AP and reuters okay and so they were pro left wing so when you had a democrat in there they just assumed that you know if there was a 60 minutes report on cbs or or nbc meet the press they were slanted but not like today but they were slanted so they felt they could do whatever they wanted and how did that work out in the real world so watergate was a bad thing. There was a bunch of low-level people, but Nixon didn't know what was going on. And then when they told him, he thought, hey, it's just a second-rate, very big deal. And then they said, you know, the left wing is saying that this is this and this, and Deep Throat was probably a uh, dissatisfied, if it even was a person, FBI agent that was just feeding stuff because he wanted to be director. So the point is, that didn't, that. if you compare Watergate to what Hillary Clinton did with Russian collusion, where she actually hired a foreign spy and paid him, which is illegal, to interfere in a campaign, and then had him tap a former campaign aide, Charles Dolan, for fake Russian smears that he got, and then collaborated with Dushenko, and they created this whole file. And then she feed, she seeded it among all her contacts in the State Department people like Victoria Newland and then they went into the FBI who was paying him it was it was 10 times bigger than Watergate it affected an entire election but the point I'm making is then so look at Donald Trump nobody nobody in the media liked him they were attacking him every second so he couldn't be crooked in office or he couldn't do anything because they were all leaking there was a fusion between the the politics below the president and the media and it kept Trump straight. It made his life miserable. But when you get Biden in there, and that same media says we won, so now we're going to go from hypercritical to we're state-run media, we're Pravda. So Joe Biden is not senile. That is ableism if you say that. He's perfectly fine. John Fetterman's perfectly fine. I just had a conversation with him. He wowed me. He really is astounding in private chit-chat. And if anybody, that reporter who said that he wasn't is lying, that's what you get on the left. And what that does to the left is empowers them to be even more bold, because they can't believe anybody would ever turn on them in the media because they're the same people. When Jin Psaki leaves as press secretary, she goes, you know, right into the media. And that's what they do. And so Chris Matthews was a, a politico. That's what they do. I mean, there's some on the right, but not nearly as much as the left. So what it means is that a Republican, not because they're born more virtuous, although I think conservative thought and traditionalism tends to promote the truth more than leftism, but they don't have any alternatives. There is no monopoly that has fused with them to lie about them that has the power of the left. They don't have the universities. They don't have the TV networks. They don't have cable news except for Fox. They don't have the publishing industry, the newspapers, the Silicon Valley so what that does is made the Democrats flabby. They just do whatever they want and they get in big trouble for it because finally it gets so outrageous, Russian collusion. We should talk about some of these big disinformation things that have happened, the three, three or four great lies that were promoted.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um and it sounds to me like what you're saying is is that this is why they can continue a R- Russian collusion case for f- three, four, five years or get go for 2 years with the They do that because there's COVID-19. No
2: yeah, look at con- what are the consequences of Max Boot writing that the that the Russian collusion was a fact. Or what was the consequences of the whistles, you know, that whole lawfare blog, the the walls are closing in, or those CNN reporters that said, you know, Trump Tower uh, had a computer that was pinging with the Alpha Bank in Russia. What was the consequences? All those people are still there. They didn't pay any price for lying and trying to warp and destroy a presidency and warping an election and transition. I mean, Michael Flynn was set up. Peter Strzok, we know that. Andrew McCabe and Comey bragged about the fact that they just walked in there because Trump's team didn't know what was going on. and Then they planted it, and then he wrote in his notes that he was truthful. There, there's no such thing as a Logan Act. That's just a uh, an ossified law that nobody's ever been prosecuted successfully on. I think two or three of it have all, but they used that, and they destroyed him, and that really hurt that administration. It was a complete lie. It was complete disinformation. And you mentioned the Wuhan lab. If we had this conversation a year ago, and I did and got in trouble at Stanford, as did other people. But if you said, it's, we had Stephen Quay on there. He just laid out the scientific information, as you remember, on our podcast. But if you just, and you look at pro publicly of all places has just published this long article that kind of draws on Nicholas's Wade reporting. These left-wing outlets are now saying, well, we maybe have been wrong. Maybe Peter Dasek shouldn't have been a disinterested arbitrator of whether it was in the lab or not, since he was routing money to the lab and getting grants from Fauci. And maybe Fauci was not credible when he said it was a pangolin or bed or wet market since he had been funneling money and he was redacting emails and paranoid with Francis Call. So now we know what. Yes, if you have the virus and it originates in a communist country under a military lab with a history of sloppy procedures that the French built but then quickly wanted no part of, and you get a virus that has never had an animal or any living creature before it was infected into humans, uh, with a case, no case of any animal ever having COVID nineteen until humans got it, and it was right in Wuhan, right where the lab is, was where it originated, and the Communist Party lied about it and still lies and will give no information. And they were sending people all over the world out of Wuhan on international flights, San Francisco, London, Rome, Los Angeles, New York, but not anywhere else in China. Then you know they're lying. And we know that scientifically. We know that with common sense. We know that politically. And yet, if you said that, then you were in big trouble, which that, that begs a question, why were you in big trouble? why were you in big trouble? Why were you in big trouble if you said that the Wuhan lab was the source of the virus? You know why? One, because Donald Trump said that. He called it the Wuhan lab. And you wanted to perpetuate a narrative that he was a anti-Asian racist to destroy him politically. So if you said that his travel ban was wise, which it was, and that it started Wuhan, as he said it did, then you were empowering Donald Trump, and you would lie not to do that and say it was a pangolin. And number two, why did they punish people? Because the people at the Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases under Fauci, the people at the CDC and the NIH, were knee deep in funding this outlaw type of gain of function research. They had a paper trail, if I could use that ossified term for emails. They don't want to give information. That will be exposed when that Republicans shortly take the House and, and resume control in January. And third, the Communist Party is brilliant in its propaganda. Now you say Russia today, and what do we think about Russians? We think of white guys, Orthodox Christians with crazy long beards, gap tooth, tattooed, heavily accented, racist villains in all of our super cop, superhero movies. It's just a bad deal. That's Donald Trump, Russia. But China, which is so much more dangerous, so much bigger, so much more powerful, so much more sophisticated in their uh, propaganda, that's racist. It's the yellow peril of the 19th century back again. It's the Japanese in internment camps. This is Donald Trump. So it was hard to do. So that that lie really took off with the media. And now the third lie, I, I just thought of one. How about we saved you from COVID by closing down the schools and the economy. And if you, dis, if you would object to that, then you're a vaccination denier. Or you should be put, remember, there were people saying that if you get COVID, then you should not be treated. If you didn't get vaccinated or if you were an advocate of opening the school or or Ron DeSantis killed thousands of people by opening the school, he didn't. Mario Cuomo did by sending people that were infected into pristine uh, long care facilities where people were wiped out by the virus. But my point is that that lie was uh, was really dangerous because now, you know, why we know it's dangerous because what do you read? Every single day. Let's just forget about this acrimony. Now, on the one hand, people were worried about the virus and they maybe a little bit exaggerated its ability to kill children. And there may have been a little bit of undue influence by the teachers' union. And yes. Maybe more people have died from missed uh, medical appointments and procedures, and alcohol, and spousal abuse, and drugs, and the riots, and going crazy, stirred up, you know, stir crazy for two years. However, it did save some things. So that's what the left is doing now. Let's just move on for all the damage they did. That was a third great lie. Uh, That was all those were not misinformation. They were deliberately designed the Wuhan lab lie, the Russian collusion lie, and the lockdown is working and is much preferable to just, you know, protecting elderly people and the vulnerable and then trying to work out work during the virus. That was a deliberate lie. And that was intended, again, what was the political basis of all of these lies? It was to injure a despised president. They thought that if this Wuhan lab thing can be manipulated politically we shut down the economy, we'll take the biggest booming economy in history and we'll ruin the Trump administration. I, I don't say that uh, promiscuously. Gavin Newsom said, this crisis, i.e. the lockdown, offers us a chance for a, quote, more progressive capitalism. And Hillary Clinton said, this is a opportunity we don't want to waste because we can push through things like single-payer health care that we otherwise wouldn't. And Klaus- Swab At the Davos group said You know he wrote a book called uh, The Great Reset And COVID and it was about using The COVID crisis for one world government We have one more Obviously. Yeah
1: we have Yeah Hunter, Hunter Biden lack. Right yeah, but yeah. you know That seems to me the most extreme But let's go ahead and take a break for some Messages and we'll come right back to talk Or to go down the Hunter rabbit hole <laughs> We'll be right back We're back. And, Victor, so, yeah, the Hunter Biden lie to me seems like the deepest and greatest of all because they shut everything down that was on that computer. Like, they really shut it down. But So go ahead. On well, that.
2: they went after where they really crossed the line is they, they, they went after private people on blogs and writers. A lot of us wrote columns. We were attacked. But they went after the New York Post that had access to it. And they went after Bobolinsky. Remember the guy that was on CBS and just laid it out. And he had emails from Hunter and the Biden family. And they, they knew it. And then they dug up these 50 quote-unquote retired intelligence officials. And I think that was headed by John Brennan and Clapper, who just hated Trump. And they said very cleverly, this could kind of, sort of be, maybe should, likely be Russian disinformation. But we didn't say that. And then they, Joe Biden being Joe Biden, was out on the campaign. Oh, 50 people support me. It was all a lie. Russian disinformation by the Trump people. And that, and then we had a poll later, and then a large percentage of voters said if they had known that the laptop was accurate, they might have changed their vote. So it did affect Mm -hmm. the election. And it was a Another fusion effort by the DNC, the permanent deep state, as exemplified by these intelligence officers and the media. And they suppressed it. And if you went on Twitter and you, Facebook, and you started writing about that, you were going to be kicked off. And they suppressed it. That it was all over and it worked. And Molly Ball, again, I beat her dead horse. But in time, February 2021, she laid it all out. How they conspired to suppress information, which she called... Disinformation and misinformation. like, And so that's what they did. And they that was very scary. Because remember, when you have a view about Russian collusion, or you have a view about the Wuhan lab, or you have a view about the efficacy or not of lockdown, or you have a view of this about a laptop, and you're afraid that if you voice that, you're going to be destroyed. And I can tell you, being working on a university campus, if you said anything you were going to be destroyed on all four of those counts. Finally, you know, I think the the greatest thing is the 2020 election. You can't say one word that there were irregularities. So if you say the following, uh, if you say one word, then you're a Sidney Powell Kraken person who's talking of, oh, if, if I say today, right now in the podcast, that, When you go from a few million absentee ballots or early ballots to 102 upwards and maybe over 65%, 60 to 65%, we don't know the actual total, and you render election day a minor event of 30%, 35% voting on election day, and you've never done that in American history, and the error rate, the error rate, for wrong signatures, signatures that don't match the registration, et cetera, goes from, in many states, 3 to 5 to 0.2 or 3. When you got 102 ballots to to deal with or to work with, and you change the voting laws in these legislatures. And, you know, I wrote something about this, and I published it in the Stanford Daily left-wing paper. And I got – it took me – Ten iterations with the editors because they kept saying there is no factual basis that the idea that these laws were changed. And I had the email exchange and and now all of these courts were sort of ruling, wow, you guys went and you, by bureaucratic edict or lower court decision, cherry picked a judge that you changed the laws. And that was unconstitutional according to our state constitution. Yeah. And so now we know when it was all over that that had an effect. And it also had an effect when Mark Zuckerberg takes up four hundred and nineteen million dollars, and he was padded and added to by his Silicon Valley monopolist. And they go in and they pre-select purple districts or blue districts, and they absorb the work of the registrars, and they start bringing their team or they hire people to create drop boxes to go to people's homes to vote harvest. And they don't do it symmetrically. They just do it in their interest, and they funnel this money through nonprofits as if these nonprofits are not political. That's so illegal to do that. And they do it with impunity, and that affected the election. And they know that because, again, it's in the Time magazine article. So if you say that, then you're an election denialist. And remember, Sammy, this is juxtaposed. To Hillary Clinton (laughs) trying to warp an entire election by hiring a foreign national to warp the election and then saying after that gambit failed that Donald Trump is, quote, illegitimate, and then telling (laughs) Joe Biden that if he loses the popular vote in 2020, he should never accept it. And then she's joining the resistance as a Mackie fighter out in the hills, and... (laughs) <laughs> and she's and then she's palling around with Stacy Abrams, who's still under the delusion that she's governor. And it's it just it's fantasy. And I mean, it's it's so strange. Yeah,
1: she I've is the denialist. Been... She's the denialist. <laughs> exactly. I was wondering I often thought it was audacious that the left was going down that gamut of calling people denialists and that this is somehow a crime against the state. She just didn't she preemptively <laughs>
2: denied the 2024. 24 elections? she said it's not going to be Ill- illegitimate i thought okay tell us why it's not going to be illegitimate is it because when the republican loses he's not going to say not going to concede as you urged is it because when the democrat wins the Republican loser is going to call him not legitimate, as you did. Is it because the Republicans are going to spend millions of dollars through three firewalls to hire a bunch of Russian or Chinese agents to, you know, make a false dossier to spread dirt about, it, like you did? That's what's so funny about it. So that's yeah. a, we've talked about projection. It's either it's either the psychological phenomenon where. A left-wing person thinks, this is what I would do, so I will project it on my opponent. Or I'm guilty as hell, and I'm going to hell. Not, you know, biblical hell, but Silicon Valley hell. Die at 40 without being able to buy five Teslas or something.
1: Well, Victor, you know, we're coming to the end of the podcast, and usually I like to try to end it on something positive or something... And, you know, uplifting, but you're scaring me more because not only are you saying that it's different in the modern age because of the um, the reach and the, the speed with which information and that social media is out there now and anybody can publish on that. But you've just said, in addition to that, that the... Social media tends to be left, and the deep state tends to be left, and that that's an even more uh, uh, even scarier scenario, I think. And so, I'm sorry to our listeners. Yeah, well, let's end on a private,
2: a big, a public bit of optimism. And this has been so egregious, and people are so sick of these people, and they're so sick of these little urban metrosexuals lecturing them, lecturing, lecturing them and this arrogance of this tech group, there's a pushback, and it manifests itself in a lot of ways. And one way is Elon Musk, of all people, who was very left-wing, and suddenly Mr. Tesla that everybody loves is Shanghai Twitter, and they're going crazy, because it could be disinterested, and they don't want that. And Joe Biden is at historic lows. Now, we did have to pay a big price of two years of socialism that's wrecked the country, but we've never had this naked left-wing nihilism so exposed as it has been, and people are sick of it. And the media is so worried about it that they're not talking anymore about, oh, the red wave was a complete melodrama. No, they're talking about voter fraud, voter fraud, voter suppression, uh, right-wing extremism, Fox News. Disinformation, which can be translated as "Hmm, we tried to do all that and we lost and we're going to lose big and we're scared to death of two things. One, they're going to say that we lost because we're left wing socialists who finally got a try and that will smear our brand forever. And and that's terrible. And two, I'm afraid those guys are going to do what we would do if we took over. Man, because if I was a Republican right now and I was in this position, excuse me, if I was as a leftist, if I was a Republican in this position with a big tsunami coming and a recapturing of the House and Senate, man, I would... Impeach that S.O.B. Biden in two minutes. I would go after Mayorkas. I would have Garland. I'd tear up the State of the Union. I'd kick the squad off every damn committee there could be. There wouldn't be one justice that got approved, not one. That's what they're thinking, because that's how they think. So they're really angry and and they're going to start accusing people. You're going to end the filibuster. I heard that the other day. Well, that's what they want, but not (laughs) when they're in the minority. And you're going to pack the court. You you don't enlarge the number of justices. You just pack it with conservatives. Yes, that's what administrations do. And I, Joe Biden will never get a Supreme Court judge approved. Yes, he won't. It'll be Robert Bork all over again. So that's what they're scared about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Just not to digress too much, but I was wondering why didn't they in the filibuster? They had both houses. Why didn't no, they pass legislation?
2: They didn't. I... Because they did not because Cinema and Mankin were in purple states or actually red uh... states. And they were very scared because they had looked at internal polls. And if they had rammed, through, they're already in trouble because they voted for that stupid inflation reduction act. Yeah. Inflation increase act and they knew that they were not going to be reelected so they said in advance we're not going to join the other 48 senators so they needed 50 senators plus kamala harris
1: yeah i got it okay
2: and so um, they didn't they didn't get they didn't get do it but what they did in the process is they green lighted that if anybody else wants to do it they had no objection to it because they, they will object but they'll look so silly it was like barack obama um when he was at uh, the funeral and he said the filibuster is a racist Jim Crow relic and I'm thinking okay so you employed a racist Jim Crow relic <laughs> and amplified it so Justice Alito wouldn't be in the Supreme Court because that's what he did he
1: I said, know
2: <laughs> God I'll just end on this thing be optimistic because Barack Obama's back and he looks like he's Rip Van when he woke up from 2008 Oh, he's gray, so he's got the same long sleeve shirts rolled up. He points out he gets in front of people, and then he's he goes, I'm gonna give you some wonky little data about they're gonna cut social security, but now I'm gonna go to my southern African American authentic actor. You know, they're just you all out there, you're just gonna do it, you're gonna that kind of stuff. Faith. That's
1: a pretty good imitation. That's what he does. Word.
2: No, that's what he does. And then he's gonna go into his little psychodrama. I'm gonna lose my temper now for five seconds. And you work you work so hard and you work so hard and you did that. And he goes and he th- and he comes off stage. You go, that was great, Barack. And then you know, on TV that night on cable news, why well, he's a heavy hitter. He he's still got the magic. And then he says, he gets off and he says to Michelle, well, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to the Wah- new Oahu mansion or should we go to the Kalorama mansion? You I want to go to the Martha's Vineyard Seaside 40-acre estate with a 2,000 propane tank. Okay, let's get the private jet and go. And that's what he does. And it's so <laughs> phony. And everybody yeah, knows it sure it's phony. It doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. He went all mm-hmm. over the campaign. And I tell you that none of those candidates that he endorsed are going to win. Because to listen to him is just like, Okay, you said you know that they're going to cut Social Security. They're not going to do that. You know that you you said that your whole administration, and you said the country's divided. You did more you did more than any other president to racially divide this country. Remember the Skip Gates thing where the police were all stereotyping. He said, "Remember he threw his own grandmother on their bus and said she was afraid of black women like she's some nut." Who raised him? Remember the Trayvon Martin? That's the son I never had. Remember yep. get in their face? Remember take a gun to a knife fight? Remember get angry? Don't suppress your anger. Remember the felon rappers that went in the White House with their ankle bracelets went off?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're telling me all these things. He didn't know how to be a statesman. That's No, sure.
2: what he did was he said, just like Biden was supposed to play the quiet dunce. The deal with Biden was, I'm Joe Biden from Scranton. I'm your old moderate guy who said, you know, it's a jungle, and and we got to get tough sentencing. And you know me, I don't. I'm a I'm a an old Joe Biden working guy. And then they said, okay, now here's the deal: you just do that. You don't have to do anything else. Just get us across the foundation. But once we do. Then you're going to get an open border. You're going to get the Green New Deal. You're going to get the big city attorney approach to no bail crime. And you're going to get a rapid printing of money and spread the wealth. Okay, okay. And what they didn't count on is he's president. So he has to come out for formal occasions. And to see him, to listen to him is to not like Joe Biden. Because he was always an SOB. He was always mean-spirited. He always said racist things. He always lost his temper. So, you know, dog-faced pony soldier. Hey, fat, I'm going to take Trump behind the gym and beat him up. Let me tell you about Corn Pop when we measured off six-footed of chain, went out there. And let me tell you about the little black boys who looked at my golden hairs on my leg. You know, I mean, he was sick. Yeah. And he wasn't a nice person. And the irony is that Sonality was his greatest gift.
1: Yeah, now, now he's just he's, in... <laughs> He's he says an what adult. he always
2: did. And now people said, well, I don't take that seriously. He said there were 54 states. I don't think he ever knew there were 50. But now when he says there's 54 or that gas doubled, it was $5 a gallon when he was, when he entered, when he lies now. I said, oh, it's just too bad. It's just sonality.
1: Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's Joe I Biden. It's wrong. not. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. So with that happy picture of our they're going to President, win the
2: midterms as the bottom line
1: they're going to they're going to win the midterms thank you so much for all of your wisdom today victor we really appreciate it
2: well thank you and thank everybody right. for listening
1: this is sammy wink and victor davis hansen and we're signing off